and welcome. You are listening to the Healing After Birth podcast. This is Jennifer Sommerfeld from JS Coaching, author and creator of the Healing After Birth program. This podcast is for you if you can relate to any of the following statements. Are you a mother who is struggling in the postpartum? Did you have a difficult, challenging, or traumatic childbirth experience? Do you want to learn more about postpartum mental health? Do you want to cultivate healthy, thriving relationships? And do you want to take charge of your healing journey? This podcast includes both interviews by professionals in the field of maternal health, as well as vulnerable stories shared by everyday mothers like you. Let's begin. Okay, so welcome back to the Healing After Birth podcast. And I'm excited today to have Debbie Bridge with me again. And I, I called her up and I wanted to have a conversation with her about money and motherhood, mostly because I was struggling with money and motherhood. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I thought that um, the opportunity for Debbie and I to, to move into process together would be a wonderful teaching that we could share with many of the moms and the listeners, simply because I would say that this is our, one of our number one stressors, especially in the postpartum period, is, is this financial stress, this burden um, that we can experience and, and more so for our moms who are um, in, in the United States in which they only have six weeks of postpartum break or maternity leave, yeah. which, which always blows my mind. And I think I just turn a blind eye to it mm-hmm. because when I feel into what that would be like for moms to, to have no other choice, that there's this perception that there is no other choice because my livelihood is dependent upon it, that after six weeks post-birth, I'm expected to go back to work full time. That's amazing. It, it, it truly is. It, it really aches my heart. Mm-hmm. So, I just want to thank you for, for being here, Debbie, because I really enjoy our conversations. Oh, I love talking with you, Jen. Thank you so much for inviting me back. Mm-hmm. So let's open this up. And I don't know what the best way to start is, but I know that with self-inquiry, with the work, um, being um, Byron Katie and the work and your experience of self-inquiry, that um, there's a way in which we could really dive into the process of being with that insecurity, that anxiety that comes up when we believe the thoughts about money. Yeah, well, it's, it's actually amazing timing because I was just working with a partner this morning mm. um, who she said she wanted to work on money. And everything she talked about was everything that I am experiencing myself. And the thing that struck me was a, a couple of common things between us and what I've heard when I talk to my own friends about it, which is this uh, feeling of wanting to bury our heads in the sand and not really confront it, not face it. Oh, totally. Like not want to even look at our bank accounts, not totally. want to <laughs> look at the debt. Not, you know. 
Um, and then also this shame around talking about it in the first place. Mm. You know, we may sort of hint around it with our friends, but no way will we actually give away the real numbers. And, uh, and, and then I want to add to that because mm -hmm. then there's also those of us who don't even have access to our bank accounts because they're being um, managed by the partner or the mm. husband. Yeah. Right. And so there are some of us who perhaps on the outside look like we're financially secure because the husband or the partner is taking care of all the financial needs. But when we start to investigate, mm. there is a profound insecurity that many of these moms experience because they're actually not contributing or their perception is they're not contributing to the finances. So they don't they don't actually um, own it. It's not theirs to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and there's that component. And then there's the mm -hmm. component of, let's say they are a team, uh, but still, if you're a mother who has decided to stay at home and not mm -hmm. have a career, then um, yeah, it, who knows what comes up in the middle of an argument between partners. Mm -hmm. I, I think, it, I think it's fair to say that money is at, um, well, I don't want to say money itself is at the root, but that the topic of money can be in the middle of a lot of arguments or maybe there could be arguments and there could also be silences around it, avoidance of arguments. Mm -hmm. And when, when there's anything being avoided or argued about, it sure adds a lot of um, stress and pain mm -hmm. when on top of it, you're trying to raise children. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I, I definitely see there's a lot of stigma around money. There's a lot of shame around money if, if you're not good with money, people might like that word, even I'm not good with money. <laughs> that, oh yes. It's heavy laden with value, self value right there. But, and then you complete the sentence of I'm not good with money. Therefore, maybe I'm not as intelligent or, or whatever it is that we compare ourselves to other people. And that this idea that money should be private, we shouldn't talk about it. Hmm. Uh, and, yeah. and there's also another idea that we shouldn't be in debt Mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. a belief right that if I'm in debt uh, it's bad yeah that we should save and have a savings and if we don't have a savings it's bad mm -hmm. right that we have all these beliefs about how we should be managing our money um, to fit into some kind of societal milieu that has told us that this is what a standard livelihood should look like yeah. And then if you add another component of complexity, which is if you've got someone who is an entrepreneur or building a business, uh, <laughs> you know, and now you have to ask for money, you yes. know, and you and I have talked about that, uh, you know, so I just, I just want to come clean right now. I have all kinds of issues around money. Mm. Um, I, it's not something that I have done a lot of work around truthfully, because I have done the avoidance thing. Mm -hmm. uh, in this past year, I formed a, um, a small group of some friends, uh, and we're working through a book called um, Money, a Love Story. It's by Kate Northrup. Hmm. And there's exercises in it that um, uh, get you thinking about what your money story is. Where did, where did you learn a lot of your money beliefs from? Um, uh, and it's been an interesting conversation with about five or six of us to, to start diving around in that stuff. And curious, are all those people that in your group mothers? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, there's one who's not. One okay. who's not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but we all have older children. 
Mm-hmm. And which is maybe interesting too, because now we have maybe the space to look at it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's better. No, I don't know about better, but it, we, wouldn't it be lovely if we didn't have to wait till our children were eighteen and <laughs> to start yes. diving around in it? It really would. I mean, as I was starting my investigation into money, because I too am an avoider. And realized for years, like I didn't, especially when my kids were young, I didn't want to look at my bank account. Yeah. And I made a decision to stay home to raise my children. Um, But that decision put an enormous amount of financial stress and burden on our family. And I felt like it was my fault. Mm. So I, I carried for many, many years this belief that, it was my fault. I had done something wrong, even though instinctively I knew it was the right decision. Mm-hmm. I was I was constantly defending myself to family members, to um, friends, you know, to society at large. Mm-hmm. And the result of that was what I call, um, you know, this drive that caused me to vomit productivity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I in in response to this um, tension that I was experiencing internally because I was terrified that we would not make uh, ends meet. And understanding that at that time when we were raising three young children, my husband at the time, we were earning an income of, I, I think it was like twenty four to $29,000 a year. Mm. It might have gone up to the early, like to the low 30s. And now when I look at huh. what, what that meant, yeah, it, it really meant that we were in that low income considered poverty bracket. Wow. And in that, I still managed to to create and I had this drive and part of that drive is what gave birth to my entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. But it really came out of this place of desperation, out of this place of terror that if I don't contribute because I didn't value my role as a mother, as a contribution to our financial needs, Mm -hmm. because that's just not where we make our money in this world. Mm -hmm. And so I was driven to continuously produce and try different methods to bring in an income. You know, I was one of those moms that tried to sell Norex. I Mm. co-created a store called Earth Mother. It was a brick and mortar place that was for pregnancy, birth and beyond. We were about 10 years too early Mm. for the market to really support us. I started that business with my business partner with $1,500 that we received through our tax return. Wow. You know, so I was very creative and, and I'm grateful for that creativity. I see that as a a strength, but when I really sat with it, I recognized that so much of my motivation to try to create a business that would be successful, that would be financially successful and not compromise the values in which were that I wanted to stay home to raise my children. um, It was driven from terror. Mm. Terror of making a contribution of not making a contribution. 
terror that if I don't do this, if I don't find a way to financially contribute, that we will not survive. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like it was absolutely connected to my core survival instinct that money and financial security um, was the only means in which I could feel that I'm safe in my body, in my home, in my being. Otherwise, I'll be annihilated. I'll die. Was there also a reality to perhaps not actual physical survival, but was there a reality that if you didn't make money that you wouldn't have made ends meet? Is there that reality? Of course there's that reality. I mean, the thing is, is that I never really contributed financially. I had a bunch of hobby businesses, you know, I was, I had these businesses and, and, and thankfully now, you know, 19, 20 years later, it's paying off in the sense that I'm pretty darn good at knowing how to put things together. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's all coming to a peak today, 20 years later, but 20 years ago, I, I didn't have the time to wait for that. Yeah. Um, so I was constantly in this, this place of tension because I also refused to work because I didn't want to leave my children. Wow. And, you know, of course, we can flip that around for the mothers who feel the same kind of tension and the same kind of fear that if they don't work and leave their children with another care provider, that they won't make their financial needs or their ends meet. And so they have to. Both aren't liberating. Right. I I, I just want to acknowledge um something that there it's kind of like we're talking about two things it's like there is the there is the reality of money there's the money we know we need to pay the bills we uh some of us are have growing debt uh you know we want food on the table obviously and clothing and we love to put our children in sports activities perhaps or whatever it is mm-hmm. so there's the reality of money and i i just i want to be careful to acknowledge that so that um, you know, as we start going down the road of questioning some of these beliefs that um, I'm not in any way saying that um, money doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's also true that it doesn't exist, that it's a man-made thing mm-hmm. that we've created. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there are some frames of thinking that money is energy, mm-hmm. you know, and uh Certainly when you read this money, a love story, there was, there's been other books that I've read that talk about it in the same way, even how you treat your money. Mm. Um, What I do know through my own experience, through other women that I've spoken to is, and even when I speak to my husband about it, there's the money, the reality Mm -hmm. of how much money is coming in, how much money is going out. Mm -hmm. And then there's all the stress Mm -hmm. and beliefs we put on top of the money. Mm-hmm. that is often what is at the root of what's paralyzing us to deal with it in a, in a, you know, healthy way, this avoidance thing, mm-hmm. not wanting to look at it, not wanting to talk with our partners about it. It's exploding into arguments. That is nothing to do with the physical aspect of money. That is all to do with our beliefs. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So what I'm hearing you say is how important it is that we separate 
the what is yeah. right the reality of what is in this moment versus the the beliefs the judgments the thoughts the perceptions that i'm adding to it and and i say that often it's it's those perceptions that create the suffering exactly it's what gets in the way of us having um, good conversations with our partners about money that don't yeah. turn into arguments. It's an, it's what gets in the way of making a good decision, decisions, plans, look, just even the fact of looking at your account. Yeah. Just that act in and of itself. If you have a bunch of beliefs around money that can harbor and get in the way mm. of just being able to look at the reality of your money situation. Uh, I know it is for me. uh, I've learned a lot about, um, and and some of it, most of it comes from conditioning. Um, Innocently, our parents passed on their own beliefs Mm. to us. Mm -hmm. Just the whole thing, money doesn't grow on trees. (laughs) Or or you have to work hard for your money. Yeah, you have to work hard for your money. Exactly. And that one, uh, I mean, you have to work hard for your money is such a paralyzing um, belief in that it actually separates us from being able to meet other people where they're at. It creates Mm -hmm. these judgments that if you're not earning enough, you didn't work hard enough. And we, we know that that is a huge lie that we've been fed. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I was um, sharing Uh, introducing the work uh, inquiry around money with a small group of people and bringing this topic up. And there was a lady in there who said, well, I don't really have any bad, you know, shadow beliefs around money. And, and then we started digging around in, um, you know, what, what do you think of wealthy people? What are your thoughts around wealthy people? Oh, well, they know what they're doing. Hmm. Um, you know, what are your thoughts around people who, who don't have a lot of money or what are your thoughts around people in sports cars? And so when you start digging around in it, you can start to see where, where your shadows come out, where those Mm. limiting beliefs come out. And, uh, yeah, I just think the awareness around our thoughts around money is actually Mm. the key. And because when you start clearing some of that out, Mm. all of a sudden, what uh, I, this is how I felt why did I think this was such a big deal to look at these numbers? <laughs> <laughs> because we think those numbers mean something about us. Precisely right there. So I'll give you an example, and I'm going to be very transparent with mm-hmm. with um, what came up for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm that avoidant type, and I've, you know, been investing in my learning and in my in my uh, entrepreneurial visions, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been investing in my business and that investing uh, has been coming out of my line of credit. Mm-hmm. And my line of credit is now coming to the point where it's reaching its max and it's quite a substantial amount of money. And I have not wanted to look at those numbers as they Mm. keep increasing month to month to month as I continue Mm. to pay for a lot of my business expenses through this line of credit. Mm. And this also includes my education, um, which, by the way, is a ridiculous amount of money that Mm. we have to pay to receive these these letters. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's a whole other conversation we could have, but Mm -hmm. um, 
So as I was looking at this the other day, and, and hopefully we can dive into this, mm-hmm. the what is, the reality of the situation was that there was a, quite a large sum of line of credit debt mm-hmm. that was showing up, not including my mortgage. And I had $25 in my bank account. Mm-hmm. And I had just you know, received the call that this month, you know, there was a check that couldn't be cleared, not my Mm. check, like a check coming to me that I was, you know, banking on to pay some bills Ah. wasn't, wasn't going to be available. So I literally was sitting there in this state of tension and anxiety and insecurity and terror. And I just noticed how uncomfortable it was for me to be with what was arising because I was making it mean something. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the reality of the situation was a large amount of line of credit debt and $25 in my bank account, mm. you know, which meant if I wanted to go buy groceries, it was going on my line of credit. Mm-hmm. If I needed to pay for my mortgage and my rent, it was coming off my line of credit. Mm. If I needed to pay for my business bills, it was going to come off my line of credit. And there was no incoming flow um, happening in that moment. Mm. So there was a huge discrepancy between $25 in my bank account, which I'm sure many of us can relate to what that feels like. Yeah. And knowing that there's this cushion that's, that's slowly creeping in, that's coming to its, its end, coming yeah. close to its end. Um, and, and how will I ever turn that around? And so feeling the burden of it, feeling the burden of debt. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. How will I ever, how will I ever turn that around? You know, we've just completely gone into the future, of course. Yeah. Yeah. How will I ever turn it around? Um, there was, there's a sense of chasing it. Mm. And, you know, it's like, to me, I, I landed in a place that I think is very akin to um, that hungry ghost, mm-hmm. that addiction, mm-hmm. um, that money often fills and um, the debt doesn't fill it, but it is, it's, it's an empty hollow feeling where, you know, for a moment, okay, I can go get those groceries because I have this, but that debt is creeping up. So you feel like there's always something chasing after you. Mm. And, and that feeling that I'm being chased after is what motivates what I, that, like I had said, that need to vomit productivity, that need to create continuously to the detriment of my health, that need to push for entrepreneurial success or clients or business or even push to get the job, right? And so there's zero enjoyment. We're either in the past or in the future because the present is actually filled with discomfort. And it's fascinating how we all react, how we all react differently from this. Am I cutting in and out, by the way? Are you hearing? No, I can hear you. Okay, great. Um, Because uh, for me, 
how I might react in that is that, oh, I've got the line of credit. I feel the sense of relief inside, even though I know it's building and getting close to the end. Mm-hmm. But at least I can get groceries still and I can put it off a little longer. I can put real- reality off a little longer. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think we do often. Yeah. <laughs> then we just uh, go get more line of credit. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So what did, so what, did you end up doing some inquiry? I, I did. Mm-hmm. I did. What did you do it on? Uh, so I don't have my notes. You know, maybe I do have my notes in front of me. So let's just get really personal here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even ask if you wanted to share that. No, no, it's good. I think we should because I think people can relate to this. Well, and while you're looking for your notes, I'll just say this thing, this quote that I wrote mm-hmm. down from that money, a love story. I just think it's so true, which is if you want to change your reality, which many of us would like to have more financial stability. Again, that's that. Let's acknowledge that we would like to be able to pay our bills on time and even have money left over to go on holidays or what have you. So if you want to change your reality, you need to start with your thoughts. Hmm. And we don't often approach it that way. We start, oh, okay, we need to get a better budget. We need to make more money. And, and those, those things have their place. But if you really want to change your reality, you start mm. with your thinking. Well, because I believe in that, that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. And I actually wrote down the steps that I did. So, so to begin, I just listed all my limiting beliefs that I had about that current situation Mm. without really diving into inquiry with them. Yeah. And so there was the surface beliefs, like there's not enough money. I don't have enough. I'm, I'm failing. I'm I'm going to go bankrupt. I'm going to lose my house. I'm a fraud. I'm an imposter. Um, I'm wrong. I'm doing it wrong. I'm saying it wrong. Um, so those were kind of the surface ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'll bet anyone listening can relate to all of that. Right. And so then I um, explored my deep fear around money and, and did exactly what you said there. I looked at what's the truth? What's the the reality without a judgment on it right now? Mm. So, you know, if I were to, if we were to encourage anybody to participate in what it is we're doing right now, it's like, okay, so what's the reality? Look at your bank account mm-hmm. and just removing all of those um, internal judgments, just noticing the numbers, noticing that reality. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote it down, you know, I've got this amount of line of credit debt, not including my mortgage. Um, or a loan that I owe a family member and that there's $25 cash in my bank account in this moment, Mm -hmm. right? Recognizing the potential of change is always there, but in this moment, that was my reality. And so then I said, drop into the current situation and notice the facts of that situation. And I would add, you currently have a house. You currently are in a warm space, have Mm. clothes, have food. Mm, yes, I do. And I also have a partner that brings in a monthly income that's reliable. Mm-hmm. And so then um, I sat in the discomfort and I noticed um, what about this fact is mm-hmm. so stressful is what I asked myself. What mm-hmm. about this situation is so stressful? And, 
and further, what does it mean about me? So that's when I dropped in even deeper. Mm-hmm. And um, as I was sitting with, I have to say that what was most shocking was how much tension and restriction and desire to avoid mm-hmm. actually sitting in what was about to arise. There was so much inner material. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to look at it. The truth is I really really wanted to pretend like this wasn't happening. Mm. And that was very familiar. I think mm-hmm. that the majority of my adult life has been around money has been that. And so, you know, part of that was truly survival in those early days with my children. Mm-hmm. So what arose was, um, it's bad. I'm stupid. I'm irresponsible. I'm wrong. I'm trapped, I'm in danger, and I'm going to die. And the deeper fears were, I'm going to lose my home. It will never change. I will forever be this way. And who am I to think it's going to be different? Those were the main... And what, you know, when... the. um... When we go into the forever, I'm trapped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a, mm-hmm. There's images that come with that. Mm-hmm. And when we're in inquiry, it's a really valuable skill to be able to slow down and notice the images that come to your mind. Um, when, mm-hmm. when someone first starts, a lot of times they don't, they can't see them. They're not aware mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more practiced you get, you start to see, oh, I actually see myself like living under a bridge or Mm. I actually see myself in a homeless shelter. Um, And it could be just a flash, Mm. but that's all it takes because when it's brought in to thought like that, your consciousness job is to bring it to life fully. Mm. So when you believe a thought for even five seconds, like um, I'm going to lose my house, Mm -hmm. then your consciousness brings it to life in such a way through your images and then your body and your imagination, your consciousness is like your imagination being, it uses your imagination to bring it all to life. So Mm. you can smell, taste, feel, experience as if it were happening right now. So we bring that future into the present moment right now. We could be in a warm, snuggly bed and your reality for five seconds is that you're in a homeless shelter. And um, it's a real subtle thing to pay attention to because um, we do that to ourselves all day long. Mm. When these worries and thoughts come in, we um, are no longer in a car driving down the road. We are, you know, somewhere else. Or in, the, not, in, in a movie. In a movie. We're in the movie. You're not just mm. even watching the movie. It's like one of those virtual reality movies where you're experiencing everything. Mm-hmm. And so just imagine that happening you know, a hundred times a day. Mm. Um, and now by the time the evening comes, no wonder you want to avoid looking at it. You're exhausted. Mm. You want to do Netflix or have a glass of wine or you argue or take it out on your children or whatever the thing is. Um, because all through the day you've experienced these hits of terror mm. and terror is an appropriate word because if you're really believing you might lose your house, mm-hmm. that's terrifying. 
And just to add to that, um, as I sat with that terror personally, um, you know, it was interesting. What I was more afraid of wasn't losing my house. Mm -hmm. I, I have to say there was a weird sense of relief. Mm -hmm. um, like almost like, you, you know, like you're, you're dancing with the devil in a weird way, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, I'll lose my house, but then I'll be done. Yeah. It's this feeling of like, oh, that, that chase will be done even if it's momentarily. Right. Yeah. Um, but when, then when I imagined deeper yet, what arose was the shame. Yeah. And that, that made me want to vomit. Like the shame felt was so visceral in my guts. And I didn't, I didn't want to show my face to my family. Yeah. And again, those that as soon as we start talking about shame and not enough. Yeah. Do you notice the we could be talking now about any topic? Mm -hmm. We could be talking about uh, our relationship with a partner. There's not enough, not enough love, not enough respect, not enough care, not enough attention, not enough approval. Hmm. Um you know, and when we start going down that road, oftentimes shame arises when we start mm. digging around. So money, this mm. is where it becomes true that money doesn't exist. Mm. Okay. Again, separating the reality that there is money. But in the realm of what we're talking about here, we project ourselves onto everything. Yes. So the person that we're in a relationship with the children, your uh, something you're trying to open, you're opening a jar and it doesn't work and you pick, get mad and you throw it across the room or something, you know, but some of us do that. Mm. Um, and we put it onto money. Mm. It was an interesting um, exercise that I did in a class one time where she had us write down a list of a complete sentence. Love will bring me. Uh, and I wrote, um, I was digging it out. This was from like five years ago. Love will bring me fulfillment, comfort, companionship. And then she invited us to cross off the word love and put life. And then you could cross off the word life and put money. Hmm. You know, freedom. Hmm. A lot of times we're seeking freedom. If, yeah. if, we, if we had this, what would you have? Freedom. And and that was my antidote was this I it was liberation. Yeah. And so I start interesting you're saying that, right? So this notion that okay, more money will bring me liberation, peace. Mm -hmm. uh, I could settle into everything without this this constant gnawing anxiety, right? That I need to do more, be more, learn more, earn more. Mm -hmm. Um <clears throat> And as I imagined using creative visualization, I, I guess in a way I was doing a turnaround in that I flipped it. So I imagined, okay, what would it feel like if that debt wasn't there? So magically I, an inheritance came in, excuse me, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I cleared this debt. And I still had $25 in my bank account. And yes, I still had the home and I had food, yeah. shelter. And so I just sat into that, sat in to the sense of how would I be? What, what would happen for me? And, you know, I didn't feel liberated. This was really curious. 
I still felt there's not enough. Yeah. Because we're, we're now talking to that lack place, mm-hmm. that place of lack that is inside all of us. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is the hungry ghost I'm talking about. Yeah. We Keep... all have that hungry ghost, that monster, that mm-hmm. open up. And the, the ironic thing is, is that it's actually not real. It's a perceived lack. Mm-hmm. But either way, it's, it's there. Um, and there's different things that trigger it for us. What, what would be the opposite of liberation for you? And entrapment. Entrapment. Like, yeah, feeling trapped. Like, um, yeah. So like um, money, having money or having all my debt paid off will actually bring me entrapment. How is that true? Well, I, but I did feel that, right? Yeah, it's just that you were saying like, mm-hmm. you completed the sentence having this money mm. will bring me liberation. Yeah. So the thought, so then, so I, just to finish that, what I did next uh-huh. that would bring me to having money equals liberation. Yeah. So I sat in this place where all my debts paid off. I still have $25 in my bank account and I still don't know what the future is going to bring in terms of business revenue or, you know, like we have no certainty around that. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, yeah, no, I'm not liberated yet. <laughs> right. I'm still, to me, I'm still sitting, okay, there's like a blank canvas, but there's this sense that, oh, there's not enough in my bank account. And so then I imagined, let's turn, flip this around. Now you have $25 of debt and you have all that money that you owe is actually in your bank account. So now you're, you're in the green, mm-hmm. you know, so you're, so you flipped it around. Mm-hmm. And when I sat in that, I started to feel some cushion of, of comfort. And it was like, okay, I would feel a little bit more liberated. I feel like I'd have the freedom to, to follow my creative pursuits. I'd have the freedom to visit, you know, my family as whenever I wanted to, I'd have the freedom to travel if I wanted to, I'd have, and I wouldn't bear the weight and stress of this debt that's chasing me. And I also wouldn't bear the weight and stress of there's not enough in my bank account. Because clearly, when I looked at it from that perspective, there was this illusion, perhaps, but this sense that, okay, so now there's enough (laughs) in my bank account to grant me a sense of of comfort. I found that to be really curious. And that's when I realized how it's not about money. Well, I just, um, this is the interesting thing though, too. And and, and this might not um, work for you, but there's some of us that it would. So you mm-hmm. have enough money. In fact, you have more than enough money in yes. that place. What, if there was any, what entrapment is mm-hmm. in that place? Oh, guilt. I'm ashamed that I have that much money in my bank account. Yeah. And that other people don't. Yeah. So it's that that will often actually get, get will self-sabotage without noticing, mm-hmm. making changes necessary. To, we say we want a different reality. We say we want to have more than enough money. We, we say we want our bills paid. Um, 
and that, that would all bring us freedom. But until we look at hmm. what's the entrapment of that life that we say we want, um, then it is secretly sabotaging us. So for you, it could be shame because, you know, wealth, maybe you have opinion about wealthy people mm. uh, or that someone mm-hmm. else it might bring in their opinion, a bunch of responsibility. Now I have to live up to that. I have to continue to make that money. I have to now, mm. um, you know, I have to take care of that money in some way. I have to be a good, good steward of that money. Or, and um, there's the fear it'll be stolen, right? Stolen. I need to hide it. I need, I need to hoard yeah. it. I... And some of us have some real tribal betrayal that we're afraid of. If we come from a family, a family history of, you know, a bunch of our family not having any money and now suddenly we have lots of money, we're betraying um, a whole family history. And again, we might not really think of it that way at the time, but if you're the one in the family that has money, hmm. um, there's little subtle things that families will do to, to drag you down. And again, not consciously, but they'll say things like, oh, oh, look who's, you know, thinks they're too big for their britches now to come and just hang out with us. You, you got lots of money now. You're too good for us, are you? Hmm. Like there's little subtle ways that we, drag people back and try to keep them into the tribe Mm. and then we'll feel guilty for these choices we think we're we're being um uh you know not uh loyal to our family or not kind or maybe we think that we have to i have a dear friend who believed that she had to give everything away right she gave away you know food bank came knocking at her door for donations she herself could have used it but no way was she going to accept it she'll give them her last can of soup And that came from a cultural upbringing of give is better than receiving. Right. And so when we believe that giving is better than receiving, then how are we ever going to receive? (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. So this is why it's so important to look at our beliefs, long held beliefs around money, because underneath it all, it could be the very thing that's getting in the growing and changing our reality. So one of the beliefs that I've heard mothers express, including myself, is this belief that I'm not worth anything as a mother unless Mm. I'm earning a living. Yeah. Yeah. So um, unless I'm earning money, I'm not worth anything. Have you ever had that one? You were saying that you had that. I did, yeah, definitely. Yeah. When I, when I was a mom, staying yeah. at home. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think I can find that too. Mm. I'm just I'm locating a time where I would have really believed that. Mm. Definitely when. Um, so my husband. I was a stay-at-home mom for a lot of, you know, and um, my husband worked really hard. He um, And he often worked away from home. And he was very supportive of me being a stay-at-home mom. It's what he wanted. And, you know, I could tell he was proud of our choice to do that. However, when tension around money came up, uh, comments like, um, uh, I don't understand the reality of, of money. Like, I just don't get it because I'm not the one earning it. Hmm. So it would be in those. And, and to be fair to him, it's when he was under the most stress that he would say things like that. 
Um, so definitely I can find it in those places because when I got defensive, I was, I was believing him. Hmm. So unless I'm earning money, I'm not worth anything. Did you want to do a little inquiry on that? Yeah, we could. Let's see if there's something else there too that okay. really, really um, lands for both of us. I think that statement would land for a lot of our listeners. I can definitely land with there's not enough. <laughs> yeah, me, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm just trying to bring in some stories that, um, you know, I know are real for some of the moms out there. You know, so another story that is often um, encountered are to the moms who are single moms and are mm-hmm. the moms going through a divorce. And especially those moms who were the stay-at-home mom and they're going through a divorce and, you know, how are they going to take care of their yeah. family now? Yeah. Because they've been utterly dependent financially on the um, partner to be the primary provider. Yeah. And so there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of stress for those moms. Yeah. Of there's not going to be enough. There's not there's Yeah. So there's not enough money. There's not enough time now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think the deeper one that can gut many of us, cause I experienced this when I became a single mom having been a stay-at-home mom and then all of a sudden overnight having to find work, mm-hmm. you know, and I started serving and then I got a job with a, a food company and, you know, had worked my way up the ladder for a bit, but, you know, I started making $12 an hour mm-hmm. and, you know, my son's making $12 an hour now. And I look at him and I say, you know, I had three children when I was making $12 an hour Mm -hmm. and that, you know, I felt, I felt (laughs) like I had something (laughs) that's crazy. Yeah. Um, So there is that um, resistance to things have to change. This idea that things are going to have to change. I can no longer be home with my kids. That's a big one too. Mm. I'm just, I'm I'm feeling into that because that, it's painful. Mm-hmm. I, I know um, <laughs> it's kind of just a funny side story. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, my son was 12 and I think around that, maybe a little younger. And um, I wanted to put him into soccer for the third year or something. And my husband was very worried about money and saying how we couldn't do that. And, and so, um, and also, no, they were even younger than that. Anyhow, um, I decided to get a part-time job and I started to work at a bookstore and, um, and I hated leaving my children. Hmm. Um, it felt really painful, but so there, anyway, I'm working at the bookstore traveling in there and doing that. There's one evening on my break, I'm in this lunchroom by myself. It's like eight o'clock at night or something. And, um, checking in with the family and my husband had went and bought lobster for them to buy, to eat for supper. <laughs> <laughs> they were in the mood for lobster. And I'm thinking if we can afford lobster, I don't need to be work- working at this bookstore. <laughs> Cause it's not like I was making great money. <laughs> 
well, it was great money in the sense that I was earning it. It was coming in, but I just mean, you know, mm-hmm. probably what I earned that evening is what they used to buy the lobster. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, it wasn't that long after that before I quit. Um, <laughs> anyway, it was that's just an aside. Um, I think not enough money is definitely something that we can weave into all of those scenarios. Like there's not enough money for me to stay home with my children. There's not enough money for me to make the bills. There's not enough. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're right. You can, you, I mean, you can substitute money for there's not enough time. There's not enough mm. love. There's not enough appreciation. There's not enough kindness in the world. And I mean, there's not enough is, is a theme everywhere, mm. but we can start with money. Okay. Um, and we could just do it together. You and I can, we can yeah. popcorn it in and um, I, I'll ask the questions, but we can both answer and, and perhaps people, if, if they're listening, can follow along. Yeah. Um, so just maybe brief us. Um, what are you going to guide us through? Yeah. So um, the process of the work of Byron Katie is a self-inquiry process that involves four questions and then something we call turnarounds. Um, and so I'll just list the four questions real quick, which is, first question is, is that true? And the invitation is to land on a yes or a no. Uh, the second question, can you absolutely know that that's true? It's just a way to look a little bit deeper um, into that. And again, yes or no is what's invited. Question three, how do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? And it's just a way to wake up to how that thought manifests itself in our life. How do we live our life when we're believing that thought? And then the fourth question is, who would we be without that thought? And that one's a little bit of an imagination experiment. Just imagining what life might be like if we didn't believe that. And then we'll go into the turnarounds. Hmm. I find it really supportive to uh, land on a a specific situation. Hmm. Um, if you can't find one, that's fine. You'll, you'll probably still travel with us and find something. But um, I, for, for myself, I'll use that. Uh, let's see, there's not enough money. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's something currently in my life where, um, you know, some class or something comes up that I'd like to attend. Mm. And I say, I don't have enough money for that. Mm. I don't have mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have enough to pay my bills. I don't have enough yeah. to get out of debt. Yeah. I don't have enough to buy that grocery, those groceries. So in the specific situation, it, it, um, it's really supportive to mm. see you in that moment. So we all can probably find in general where we don't have enough, mm. but, um, Find a moment where it could be the moment where you're just laying in bed and you open your phone and you look at your bank account. Or Mm. it could be that you open a bill, you're standing in your kitchen, you open a bill and you see the bill amount Mm -hmm. and you think I don't have enough. Or it's really ground yourself. I'm standing in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. I've torn open the bill. I look at the amount and I go, oh, I don't have enough for this. Mm -hmm. I look at, I'm online. I see the class. I see the amount of the class. And I think I don't have enough for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or it could be I'm on the phone with a friend and they say, hey, are you going to go to the thing? And I can't afford it. I'm not going to that. Mm -hmm. Um, So really be in the moment. Mm -hmm. As specific as possible. 
Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because it's a, a moment that we're going to keep returning to throughout the process of asking the questions. Okay. And it's, it's just so much more easier to answer their questions when you can actually see yourself in a specific situation. Um, okay. So have mm -hmm. you got one? I do. What's yours? Uh, a couple bills, business bills, contract bills that need to be paid. Mm -hmm. And uh, the belief that I don't have the cash to pay it. And so where were you when that thought came in? I know it probably comes in lots. But mm -hmm. What's one time that it came in? I'm imagining myself in my kitchen, mm -hmm. looking at my computer, looking at my bank account, and knowing, you know, that these bills need to be paid. And, and in that moment, believing that I don't really have enough. Mm -hmm. So you're in the kitchen. Are you standing? Are you sitting? I'm standing. And your laptop's like on the counter? Or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is it morning, afternoon, evening? Uh, afternoon. Yeah. Are you alone? Is there anybody in the house? I am alone. Okay. So that's how specific we want to get. Mm. I'm standing in the kitchen, looking at my laptop on the counter. I'm alone in the house. It's about the afternoon of the day. And I'm looking at my bank account. Mm -hmm. And I start to believe there's not enough money. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah, yes, in that moment. Good. And I'm just going to invite you to pause a moment. So as we ask these questions, um, the invitation is not to answer them from the mind that knows the answer, as strange as that sounds. The one, when you hear the answer come really fast like that, that's an invitation to you to just wait a little longer. Hmm. These questions are ask and then wait for the answer. Hmm. And you may still come up with a yes. There's no wrong answer. It was just the speediness of the yes that I... Hmm. So let's just take an extra moment, standing there in the kitchen, looking at your bank account. There's not enough money. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. feels true good yeah yes and, and isn't that interesting what do we use as proof for the yes or no a lot of times we use our feelings mm. and just because we feel it doesn't mean it's true just because it feels true doesn't make it true um I'm saying that for my sake as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So again, standing there in the kitchen, this is a separate meditative question. Now looking at your laptop, looking at your bank account, there's not enough money. Can you absolutely know that that's true? So I keep experiencing this inner voice that's saying, you're just going to have to use your line of credit. Mm -hmm. 
and that doesn't feel true then that there is enough money but the truth is if I use my line of credit I'll pay that bill mm-hmm. so just for yourself there's not enough money can you absolutely know that that's true this is funny I'm stumped mm-hmm so just wait a yeah. little longer. I'm just going to invite you to just go into yourself and allow both yes and no to have a chance. Just allow no to even have an equal opportunity as yes does. I'm stumped because I don't consider my line of credit as money. Mm-hmm. And yes is a perfectly fine answer. Mm. And, and in the second question, if the answer is I don't know, mm-hmm. that's actually a no. Because can you absolutely know? Well, I, I don't know. I guess I can't absolutely know. Mm-hmm. So, so that would be a no. Mm-hmm. Um, and if yes is still strong, let's stick with yes. Let's honor mm-hmm. our truth. Um. <laughs> So the agenda, there's the, the, the hope or hope as we enter into inquiry, it's helpful to, as best we can leave the agenda behind. So it's not about on the other side, finding out, oh, there is enough money. Yay. (laughs) This is all about just exploring your own thinking Mm -hmm. and seeing how you react to it. That's it. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do you react standing in the kitchen looking at your bank account when you believe there's not enough money? (laughs) Uh, Frozen. Mm -hmm. Stiff. Scared. Panicked. Trapped. Angry. I see like an image of wanting to have like a temper tantrum, like smashing my computer. Um, Feelings of out of control. Yeah. Who do you turn into when you're believing there's not enough money? I turn into that hungry ghost. I turn into uh, irritable, ravished. Is that the word? Famished, not ravished. Mm. Famished. Mm. Um, Like I need to consume. I need to produce. I need to do more. I need to be more. It's like like I need to, um, it's like it winds me up. Mm. Um. I I shut down I, when I believe the thought that there's not enough money to pay this bill, that I'm not, that there's not enough money, I'm not earning enough money to pay this bill. Um, I just... 
get irritable. Is there anything more to how you react? What happens when you believe there's not enough money? I just get angry. I can just see, I see an image of myself like wanting to roar. You know, I just want to throw my computer. I want to roar and I want to run away from it all. And I'm tired. Yeah, I'm tired. I want to give up. So helpless. So does this thought bring you peace or stress? (laughs) (laughs) It's a funny question, I know. But when when I contemplate it and just own, is this thought bringing me peace or stress in my life? Is it helping me get ahead? Is it helping me look at my money in a healthy way? No, no, stressful. Yeah. Is there any peaceful reason to keep believing this thought? It's like if I believe it's there's a. It's what I know. And so there's a sense of familiarity, certainty. There's almost like an expected result. Like if I keep, it's like I'm, it's how I, what's that word? Like flagellate? Like, is that the right word? Like how I'm hitting myself? Mm -hmm. Self-flagellation. Yeah. Like, and that somehow it's almost connected to somehow keeps driving me. Yeah. So, so that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. You go ahead. So it, although it's not a peaceful reason to keep believing that thought, I'm attached to continuing to believe that thought. Yeah. So the payoff for believing it is that it's what makes you make money. Yeah, it dri- it's driving me to become the person that I am. So the fear of letting the thought go might be, well, then not, what, am I just not going to care? I'm not going to do anything to make money? Well, it's almost, and it almost keeps me trapped in needing to be punished because there's, because there's such a deeper level of, right, the, the feeling ashamed that I let myself get here. There's a belief that it's my fault, Mm -hmm. you know there's not enough money because and I can fill in the because Mm -hmm. now the because that's I'm so glad you said that because as we're doing inquiry if we notice ourselves going into because what we're really doing is enhancing building on and broadening the story Mm -hmm. and that is not inquiry Mm. Because that, that I can give you evidence. Yes. That's just more rebuilding, reinforcing the story. And so it's a really important thing to notice when you're practicing by yourself or with a partner. So my sense is right now, as I'm sitting with that, I'm more agitated around the becauses. Mm. 
than the actual fact, which in that moment, there was not enough money in my bank account to pay that bill. That's true. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's the because the why there isn't enough in that bank account that's actually generating a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. So just um, Byron Katie, the one who came up with this process, she likes to say, let's stay with the one we're with for now. Mm-hmm. Sometimes what happens when we're in inquiry, underlying beliefs will arise And we could write them down, if you like, or we could just sort of put them on hold, acknowledge that they're there, and just say, yeah, we're going to come back to you. Mm. We're going to come back to you. Mm. Um, Absolutely, more beliefs come up. That's what happens when we start to see. Mm. One of my reactions when I believe there's not enough money is that I'm bad with money. I, Mm. you know, yeah, I was stupid. Um, I was irresponsible. I wasn't a good wife. I didn't do my job as a stay-at-home mother. Um, I let my family down. A lot of those underlying beliefs will start to arise. And you can either jot them down as you go. I find jotting them down does help because it kind of quiets them. Or you can just mentally acknowledge their existence and say, yeah, I'll come back to you. Um... Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I just invite us to stick with there's mm-hmm. not enough money. And notice, one of the ways we react is we have a whole bunch of other beliefs that come up about our value. Hmm. That's one of the ways we treat ourselves. So we beat ourselves up. Um, so for the sake of time, I'm going to invite us to move into question four. Um, And this is meditation. And recognize that all we're doing is using our imagination to see. We can pick this thought right back up after. But even for five seconds, what would your life have been like? Who would you be in that moment looking at your bank account without the thought there's not enough money? almost hard to imagine Mm -hmm. if I allow myself to really still be really still Mm -hmm. and imagine the possibility of having that moment without that thought it's like what comes to me is like I would just be in reality Mm -hmm. just I would just be in that moment without all of the added stressors and what would that be like being in that moment without the added stressors well my sense is that there would be more acceptance and perhaps creativity and I would like to feel like a trust, like 
Mm-hmm. Like there'd be an opening. And what about all that anger and the feeling of wanting to throw the laptop? Is that still there? No. No. And you said no, the word like creativity. trust, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you said the word creativity. Mm-hmm. So when we're in fight, flight, freeze mode, mm-hmm. which is often what we're like when we're believing a stressful thought, there's not a capacity for creativity or imagination or problem solving or access to wisdom. Oftentimes we don't see that we could ask for help. There's a whole bunch of things that we don't notice when we're mm. believing that. Mm. And so when you said creativity, it's like creativity. There might be some ways to whatever, who knows what, what's possible mm-hmm. in the creative space. Mm-hmm. My so, sense is it's like preventing me from being open to receiving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it depending on your belief system, if you believe in manifesting or attraction, law of attraction, or any of those kinds of things, when you're in that flight, fright, freeze, and you want to throw your laptop, that's not really in the abundance frame of mind. <laughs> right. But, and if you're not from that way of thinking, if it's just about facts and figures for you, then you're certainly not in a creative space. Mm. You're not in a, in a problem solving from that higher intelligence space when you want to throw a laptop. So again, this isn't about living in la-la land. Question four isn't about, oh, Mm -hmm. there is enough money. It's like, just who would I be if that thought wasn't running the show for even a minute? I'd be relaxed. I'd notice abundance all around me. I'm in this moment safe. Hmm. All of a sudden, maybe money isn't like this dangerous, evil being. Maybe I feel a little friendlier towards money without that thought. Hmm. It's just so much more capacity for connection to ourselves and to others around us and to money. And so turnarounds are a way of looking at the original thought and just playing around with them and seeing different perspectives. And so we go to the opposites. So what would be the opposite of there's not enough money? There is enough money. Yeah. So what would be a genuine example of that as you stand there in the kitchen looking at your bank account on your laptop? I guess a genuine example would be, again, I have some resistance to it, but Mm -hmm. the idea that I have a line of credit that can pay for this bill. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Yeah. What's another? In this moment, there may not be enough money, but there is enough money overall. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, There's enough money. There is, generally speaking, like mm-hmm. I guess if I were to go one step further, you know, expanding into there is enough money out there. 
I may not know how to access it, mm-hmm. but it's there. That one really lands for me. Because hmm. when I believe there's not enough, mm-hmm. it's just like when we believe there's not enough love. Hmm. We, think, we think there's like a finite, finite amount of love in the world and we have to compete for it. You know, we, we've got to get our hands on it because there's not enough for everyone. Hmm. And I can see where I can project that onto money as well. Mm-hmm. But when I see, and I've been hearing this in some teachings lately too, is that there is more than enough money for everyone on this planet. And I know that is amazing to think. And I know there's lots of poor, poor countries and poor places, but we all have different, you know, we have a very big house culture here in Canada. And, you know, if anyone, I'm sure you have traveled to places where houses Hmm. aren't as big of a staple to their lifestyle as it is to us. Mm -hmm. So they might have enough money for their lifestyle, perhaps. I don't know. I I don't presume to go into other people's lives. But for for our sake of this inquiry, Hmm. it's possible that there's enough money. Hmm. And you just might not know how to get your hands on it right now. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But even just holding that belief, for example, if I were to um, turn that belief around, you know, I've been believing there isn't enough Mm -hmm. for my whole entire life, Yeah, you know, conditioned, passed down, all of the above, for whatever reason, um, or I'm not allowed to access it for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, It's out of your reach. Yeah, that that, it really creates like a plexiglass barrier almost. Mm -hmm. And just imagining into, if I could just allow myself to creatively imagine Mm -hmm. there is enough money for everyone, including me, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I don't know how to access it, but it's, it's there. Like just the image of it's there. It's just, it's just waiting Mm. for, for me to open to it. Like that, that possibility you know, yes, I can hear all of the different voices going on about it and <laughs> belief systems around it, especially around yeah. privilege and access, right? Right, this, yes. This is a really yes. big one. Yes, yes. Um, if I can just silence that for a moment. Yeah. It's almost hopeful or it's, it's, it's there's an opening, there's a, there's a relaxing into like, just if I were to change looking at my computer from there isn't enough money to there is enough money and trusting, I'll know how it'll show up, <laughs> something yeah. will happen. Like, just even if it didn't, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're afraid to disappoint ourselves or dupe ourselves, right? So we, yes. don't, want to, we don't want to believe these things. But even, yeah. if, even if it didn't, at least I would feel less stressed. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Like I'd rather believe a thought that's not generating so much stress than Mm -hmm. believing this thought that I think is reality that generates so much stress. Like I'm not productive when I'm stressed. We're in survival. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. We're not creative. We're not um, effective problem solvers when we're in stress. We're not good parents. Totally. Because what happens when you're, you know, if you're a mom with a little three-year-old and you're looking at your laptop and the little one comes up and is pulling at you to play with them. 
or is crying, having a temper tantrum or something is going on in your world in that moment. The the TV's too loud or, you know, or your daughter comes up and says she needs money for school again. Yes. And then that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And now all of a sudden everything is too much. Exactly. World War III. Can't handle any of it. Exactly. And, And that's how it trickles out. So again, it's not about saying, oh, yeah, oh, there's so much money right in my bank account right there. It's opening to the idea that there is enough money. And maybe I just need to, I might now need to go to a, a class and learn about how to something. I don't know. Um, that insight you had, I just want to, and we don't normally go back like this, but you know, when we were first asking, is that true? Uh-huh. It seemed completely ridiculous to say, no, it's not true. Uh-huh. But now if you were to recontemplate, can you absolutely know that it's true there's not enough money? How might you answer that? Yeah, no, I can't. Yes. I, I can't absolutely know. Yeah. Because I was in a very small, narrow lens, and now that lens has widened. So that's it. When we answer questions, and sometimes we just can't help it, but if we're looking through these questions with a narrow lens, then that's what we're going to see is narrow answers. Hmm. So the invitation is to allow our minds, trust our minds to open and just notice that there might be some things we don't really know or understand. Hmm. So this was really good, Debbie. I, I'm going to have to bring our conversation mm-hmm. to a close. And I know that there's more turnarounds that we just landed on mm-hmm. the first turnaround. Yeah. So we won't have time to get into all of those turnarounds, but what are the other turnarounds that you might have done? Um, As crazy as it sounds, there's not enough money. Yay. (laughs) We call this the the 360 or the yay turnaround. Hmm. Another way to look at that is what's the opportunity of believing there's, you know, of this situation for you. So it could be when, when we recognize, okay, so there's not enough money good. That means I need to learn how to make more money or I need to talk to my partner about it. It's going to give me an opportunity to create a group of people to come together, that kind of stuff. Hmm. Um, I turn around to the self or to the thinking when we're talking about an object like this, like money, we might say, um, my thinking thinks there's not enough money. It's my Hmm. thinking, not, not the actual fact. Um, And finally, I'm not enough. Hmm. Or is it that I'm believing I'm not enough in that moment? Hmm. Hmm. That would be a good one. (laughs) And it's just the invitation is to hold all of these gently. If, If you try on a turnaround and it just seems ridiculous and too far away and, and it brings you a bunch of stress, then just let it go. Hmm. Sometimes we play with the turnarounds and there's really just one and it's enough to open up. All we're trying to do is open up our minds to creativity and to um, connection. Hmm. So you don't have to bang yourself over the head with them. Hmm. Thank you for that. Debbie is very insightful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that the work that you do is incredibly valuable and maybe you can let our listeners know where they could get in touch with you. Yeah, uh, the best way is through my website 
www.debbiebridge.ca. So just debbiebridge.ca and there's a contact page. My most recent offerings will be on there. Uh, I love, I love to do workshops. I love to work with groups. Um, And I also love working one-on-one. What I will say is that it can seem very, the work can seem heady, like in our heads. Um, But if you notice your experience of really dropping into your heart with the questions, this has been the number one thing that has gotten me through some, some big struggles in my life currently. Because again, as we were saying, there's the thing, the actual event that's happening. Mm-hmm. You're losing your house. Your daughter has left home and is doing drugs or you're getting a divorce or something has happened in your life and we can't prevent those things from happening. And then there's all the stress and scariness we put on top. So the work is all about just becoming clear, just becoming clear. Hmm. And oh my goodness, the, the relief in that, it doesn't mean that your life is magically going to be perfect, but it means you can actually handle your life. Hmm. The, this is too much. The too much is all of our thinking we put on top of stuff. Hmm. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah, I I also uh, work with the work, mm-hmm. both personally and in my private practice. So I know the value of it. And I think, Debbie, that you're exceptional at guiding us through that process. So thank you for the time today and um, just bringing us to a close. Mm-hmm. Again, this is Jennifer Sommerfeld from... JS Coaching and the Healing After Birth book and program, which is now available online. You can check that out at jennifersummerfeld.com. And I just want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in today and going on this journey with us, this vulnerable journey around money and motherhood and, and my personal journey with money. So I'm just really grateful for all of you who are taking the time to really consider and contemplate these teachings that we talk about so thank you again thank you jennifer (laughs) you're welcome